0: Welcome to The Art of Leadership with Nina Ellison. Join Nina as she explores the underlying value of soft skills in the lives of healthy leaders.
1: Thank you, Barry. I am Nina Ellison, and today I want to introduce you to Jamar Halim Sr. Jay, as he is called, is a leader who is making a difference as he uses his skills as an entrepreneur a nationally published photographer, a corporate trainer, and a speaker. Jay's company, I Won't Starve, reflects his own experiences. He exposes those he connects with to the reality of what they have within themselves to transition from surviving to thriving while using their own platform and their own skills and turning them into business opportunities. I've had the opportunity to connect with Jay through a mutual friend and a business colleague, Ron Harvey. In early 2020, as the pandemic began, Ron who's the VP of Global Core Consulting and Strategies, used his platform, his leadership expertise, and the relationships he had built over years to serve fellow leaders through an early morning Monday call. And now, 18 months later, this group of leaders that I I often see Jay calling family, still meet early on Monday mornings virtually to kick off our week with strategic thinking, kind of a rubbing of shoulders together with colleagues who want to grow. The point of this call is not that we all think alike, but that we agree we want to learn how to listen and communicate well, whether we agree or disagree. Several weeks ago, this group was evaluating an experience that had taken us all to a a vulnerable place. I remember towards the end of the call, hearing Jay state that he felt this experience was like having a safe space to look in the mirror. So Jay, thank you so much for joining me today on the Art of Leadership and for the value that you've added to my
0: leadership with your insights. No problem. Thank you for having me
1: that statement was so provocative when you said that this was like having a safe space to look in a mirror. So share with us, what led you to say that statement on this leadership call?
0: I I just felt that way over the last 18 months, because as an entrepreneur, and uh, people don't like to talk about this, but even as a a man, it's very, very tough to be vulnerable. It's very, very tough to be vulnerable. And so being in a space where you're um, encouraged to be vulnerable and encouraged to be able to speak clearly and speak very authentically and not get any negative pushback. You know, you're looking in the mirror. A lot of times you might not like what you see, but you're never really gonna hurt yourself by looking in the mirror. You're just gonna get a little bit more clarity. And so that's what I felt like happened for me and a bunch of other people, especially during the exercise that we were um, doing for that five or six week period. You know, you were able to just be a lot more vulnerable, able to be honest with yourself out loud. We can probably be honest with ourselves when we take off that brave face that we put on before we go out into the world. But doing it out in the world is a special, special transformative exercise.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, from that, I I was so interested in I took some time and I read your biography and saw that neither your mother nor your father were around to take care of you and that your grandmother Of held it down for you, and then you also share that that eight out of her children, your grandmother's children, that seven were addicted to crack by the time you were a teenager. So, your upbringing, as you talk about vulnerability, I think it really becomes even more significant as you share that in your biography. And so, your mantra you know, you call it hashtag I won't starve was birthed Mm -hmm. from a time, as you say, of intense anger. You know, you had realized there's no Calvary that's coming to save the day. And when you were in a breaking point where the next decision you made could determine whether or not you or your family would starve, you came up with this hashtag, I won't starve. Can you share one time that you remember thinking there's got to be a better way?
0: Oh, man, I I went through about from 2010 to 2013. that, That was my life. Again, I also shared that I became a felon in college. I was always a good kid. I just, you know, again, I had nothing but drug addicts in my household. So what's the opposite of being a drug addict? You know, you that's, that, that's the, that was the cool thing. The rappers weren't talking about hurting people. They was talking about making a lot of money. And so I wanted to make a lot of money, but I just didn't know how to do it properly. When I came to college, I got in trouble when I first got to college, but coming to college was a blessing because I saw other families. I met other individuals. Mm-hmm. I saw them had other opportunities. At the same time, I was I was a felon, so I couldn't go get the job that I wanted. But I, I, when I left here and went to DC, I, I started a business and I was doing very, very well, but the economy went crazy. And so I had to come back to South Carolina and that reared his ugly head again. But I remembered that, well, you did very, very well on your own. You didn't have to take an $8 an hour job. And, you know, we have all these things I did and I just had to remind myself like, Hey man, you're bigger and better than this. And you know, I'm I'm very spiritual. And I went to a TD Jake's conference in Florida and he put it out there for me. He literally brought a full grown lion on the stage in a cage. And he said that this lion has been in a cage for all his life. Why? Why do we feel feel afraid of this lion? They said we're afraid because his instinct is going to kick in, and remember, he's a lion, and we let him go and hurt somebody. And he said, "That's one of you in this in here." He said, "One of you know that you're bigger than the cage that you put that you put yourself in." But everybody who came with me came to me and said, "He's talking to you. He's talking to you." And months later, I left my job and got an office and never went back.
1: Yeah success after success after success due to your hard work because of your commitment to this idea if you're not going to starve you're going to figure out how to
0: thrive it was definitely wasn't easy and I, you know and I detailed uh, the you know almost getting put out of the house and losing cars and going through all the changes trying to figure it out but once i said i won't starve the scales came off my eyes you know it felt like the shackles was broken and yes i was upset when i said it but because i believe truly my spirituality That other people that I said it to, it took them by surprise, but in a positive light. And it started motivating them. You know, when you start putting good out into the world, it's it's not going to come back void. So people will be motivating me by telling me how excited they were about the hashtag and, and, and how it motivated them to keep going. And so I was excited about it. I just never looked back and I understood the platform. My quote that I created was the platform you leap from is more important than the platform you land on. And that truly was my life because I had built this up. I've been an entrepreneur before I knew it. I've been successful before I knew it. I had to finally just step out into that platform that I've already been created for myself. That worked out for me tremendously. Lots
1: of times leaders are waiting until they arrive somewhere. And I love what you're saying. Look look at the platform that you're ready to leap from and build on that. I We, we were talking about safe spaces and I want to explore that a little bit more. What, what do you think people are looking for to find safe spaces?
0: I think that's a great that's a great question. I mean, people are definitely looking for um, non-judgment. People don't want to be judged. That's the, I think that's the, one of the number one things for me. I've been searching for a safe space. I didn't realize, but I've been searching for a safe space since I was 11 years old. with my mom, I, I never knew what that was until I was able to create my own. And I believe that God um, assisted me and create my own safe space. And and I, you know, wrapped myself into this whole phrase and created a lifestyle. I said I going to start as a lifestyle brand because that's a part of being safe, saying hey, and reassuring you were going to be okay because nobody else was there to pat you on the back to tell you that you're gonna be okay. I've been around people who were high up in hierarchy and they were worse than people in the street, worse than gangsters, you know, when it was coming from the judgment. And and then they come to find out that they probably had just as worse of past as you, worse than you, they just judge, judge, judge. And people don't say nothing and fear fair judgment. Somebody gotta be willing to, to know that if I say that I'm not good at listening, if I say that I don't forgive, if I say, that, you know, I'm horrible when it comes to, you know, hope or I don't have hope that you're going to say, I understand. That's OK. How can we help you? Instead of saying, well, you're how, how are you that bad? How don't you have this amount of money? How are you not successful at this point in time? So, you know, it's a judgment They're looking for a judgment free zone.
1: So safe space and judgment are tied up together. And when we think about being leaders. What What does that mean when you when you identify yourself as a leader? But you know that, that that the safe space is what you have to find your, for yourself first before mm-hmm. you can prepare for others.
0: You're absolutely right about that. That was amazing right there. Yes. You have to find that for yourself because for me as a leader, I felt like I could be a leader because I went through a lot of these things and I had to blaze the trail. Nobody set a trail for me. So my goal was to make other people behind me, um, their path a lot easier than mine. You know, I had to go through the crying, and and, and you know, I had you know the funny thing I just turned forty. I've never cried so much in my life over the last year. <laughs> um, I said I just I got soft, but in a good way because I think it was all bottled up for all those years where you just had to sit there, and just take it. As I told you, as a man, the people don't want to hear what they call excuses, and I, I want to fight that. I want to ref- I want to say when somebody tells me something as a leader and they say it's a reason, the first thing I'm going to ask you, do, did you know better? And if you didn't know better, then I'm going to accept that reason. But if you didn't, if you knew better and you did it, now it's an excuse. But a lot of people don't accept that, especially not from young men. It's always, if it's not sounding like what you want it to sound like, it's an excuse. And that's not true. People just don't know. As I said, as a young man, when I came to college. All I saw was drug addicts and drug dealers. And it was cooler to be a drug dealer than a drug user. When I got to college, I saw other families that people came from two-parent households and, and from um you know suburban households. And I saw how they lived and I made friends with them. And I said, Oh, it is a better way. And I started gravitating towards that, that space. They brought it to my light, they brought it into my eye gate. So I'm not gonna judge as a leader, I'm gonna Get the understanding first. I want to understand you so I can better help you and I can better point you in the right direction. is one of those things you start to think. I remember I tell people all the time, the first time I got in trouble, they put me in a rehab and they go around like you see on TV. They go around saying your name. When it got to me, I said, I'm in the wrong place. And the guy said, "Why?" I said, I'm not in here for using drugs. I'm in here for selling them. And he, the guy said, is, that's just as addictive. As using, I didn't, and nobody stopped to think about that. And my mother in law, she reached out to me once my book dropped, and she said she didn't know because she was one of the ones that reading the book was extremely judgmental. And I'm like, well, I tried to tell you guys what I experienced, but because where I came from, it wasn't, you didn't want to meet my family, but because of who I was and what I rep, what you thought I represent, you didn't even want to meet or get to know my history. And now you have to read it in the book and then have a conversation with me years later about it. And if you'd have known, you probably said, well, this young man can use some extra love or some, because he's actually going in the right direction. He's trying, he's working. You know, so getting to know people and and, and giving them an opportunity, because sometimes they might be right, they might be in a better position than you. You got to know whether to leave from the front, leave from the back. How would you know that if you don't understand them? Yeah. So being selfless. Is what leadership looks like. You know, at some point, you might like say leading from the front is you're charging into everything before everybody else. Leading from the back. If you look at a pack of wolves, the, the leaders of the wolves lead from the back because they're protecting the, the weakest. So you have to understand what where you're supposed to be at. But you have to be willing. And that's a, you have to have that selfless spirit. And you have to have integrity because you might know better. But if you don't have integrity, you won't do better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. So we we started this conversation talking about safe mirrors. Can you can you think of a story or something that's happened recently where you realized you're actually providing the environment, the atmosphere for safe mirrors that others are looking in?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So um, I did a conference in May. I tell you, I started doing all this (laughs) crying. I um I was doing, I was speaking, and I burst out in tears. I just know that now I'm able to, I wouldn't have been able to say this to you two years ago. I wouldn't be able to talk this freely because I kept my head under, the, I, I you know, I got professional. I just got pardoned in June. So 18 years now, I've been walking with my head in the sand. Like, I wanted to be, I didn't want to be seen. And so it just seemed like a domino effect once I did it, and made it, everybody else got, they, they let their guard down. So everybody behind, followed behind me, got emotional and they were able to, and they kept saying it was me. It's like, you, you're you the one, your names are the marquee. <laughs> yeah. And you were able to be emotional and be transparent. And so we started doing it because of what you did. That's been just been happening consistently because I just, I've, again, I've never shared a lot of them. When they, when they so I put on Facebook that I was being part of it. you You had a record? Like, yeah. But I I was taught that that was a bad thing. Like, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. And, I mean, I haven't been in trouble since. You know, that was 20 years ago, literally, when I got in trouble. So, I would keep my head. I, went in, I, I felt like if I would have went to work for Save the Children Foundation, they wouldn't hire me. But because I worked with them as a business owner, they hired me. <laughs> I worked with National Guard as a business owner. But if I applied, they probably wouldn't have took me. You know, i work worked with major corporations, Amtrak, law firms, all type of places. They hired me as a business owner, but they probably would never hire me as an employee. And so I, I wasn't going to raise any red flags. I wasn't going to do anything, r- ruffle no feathers, rock no boats. And so as I got comfortable, I believe I broke down those barriers for other people.
1: Yeah. When you then said that day that just struck me to the core, when you said this is a place to look in a safe mirror, I thought this man has a story. This is this is powerful that you understand not only that you were given that you were in this place where you realize this is a safe mirror, but that you were living it and providing safe mirrors for other people.
0: It's, At, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Yeah. I'll tell you something that's going to make you smile.
1: As I close this podcast with a smile, I just want to thank Jay Jamar Halim Senior for joining us as we thought about this idea of safe spaces in leadership. You and I both need to create those spaces for ourselves and then grow to the point that we're creating the safe spaces for those that we influence. So thank you for joining us. Uh, This is Mimi Ellison. You can reach me at healthyleadership.online, and check out Jay's book, Hashtag I Won't Starve,